Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. Boy, I feel like we have a lot of news to cover on this Monday morning. Adam Duvall placed on the IL by Atlanta on Sunday. He's going to have wrist surgery, and that will end his 2022 season. Rough year for him. Always hope from fantasy managers that he's going to provide power, but that is now off the table for the season. Poor Steven Matz. Barely got back from the IL and is back on it. Torn MCL. That will keep him out several weeks, maybe for the whole season. His final line is going to look awful regardless of when he comes back, but he pitched better than that. And at this point, he's got to think about as a nice sleeper in 2023 draft, sadly. Evan Longoria also back only briefly, though a bit longer. He is back in the IL for the third time this year. It is his right hamstring this time. Longoria missed half of 2021, is on pace to do about the same this year. He's effective when healthy, but you just can't rely on him. Michael Pineda got a late start to the year. Now he's back on the IL. Pineda felt tricep tightness that he said was not new. It's been happening to him on and off this year. But in the past, it had loosened up as he pitched. Not so on Saturday. The Tigers are going to need a starter for Tuesday. We don't know yet who that will be. Garrett Hill could get the call. As if the Tigers didn't have enough pitching problems. Rony Garcia activated off the aisle to start on Sunday. Did not go well. Two and two-thirds innings. Three runs. Two hits. He opened the game with a flyout. Then the Twins went single-double, a fielder's choice that didn't result in an out, a fielder's choice with an error that didn't result in the out, and then back-to-back hit by pitches. He settled in but hit another batter before being pulled. He was pulled when he asked out after 62 pitches due to shoulder soreness. A.J. Hinch said he needs to be shut down for a bit. The Tigers may have to hold open auditions to fill the rotation at this point, so if you're interested, let them know. The Marlins were busy Sunday. Cody Petit, Jazz Chisholm Jr., and Anthony Bender all moved to the 60-day IL. Jazz, obviously the big name there, but we knew that was coming. Max Meyer, Tommy Nance, and Brian Anderson all placed on the IL. Will Williams out studio, Jeff Brigham, and Waskar Brazaban were called up. The fantasy impact is mostly in Meyer, whose IL stint will help keep Braxton Garrett in the rotation and potentially create room for Jesus Lazardo and Edward Cabrera when they're ready. But interestingly, Brigham got the save for the Marlins Sunday. He allowed an unearned run in the 10th. He struck out two a walking one. Anthony Bass blew the save in the 9th, so I don't think this signifies much, but it is interesting at least. One move the Marlins did not make was putting Garrett Cooper on the IL. He was hitting the hand with a pitch the other day. There was concern he broke it. Turns out there is no fracture. Team is going to decide today if an IL stint is necessary. I would assume he's out at least a couple days, but no more than a minimum IL stint if it comes to that. Jordan Alvarez was out of the Astros Sunday lineup as discomfort in his hand that landed him on the IL before the break is lingering. It sounds like the team is just being cautious, which makes sense given they've basically got the division wrapped up but there may be more days off in the future as they try to keep him healthy. 
Jonathan India, a late scratch with a left thigh contusion. He injured himself on a slide into home on Saturday. The Reds host the Marlins today, so we'll see if he's back. He was starting to heat up, so if he needs some time off and another manager is spooked, this might be a good time to buy in. Josh Harrison, also a late scratch with leg discomfort. Should it be a short absence? He runs streaky and has been hot lately, but not really a reliable fantasy option. The Angels called up Magnuris Sierra, and to make room, Jonathan Villar was designated for assignment. His days as a fantasy asset may be numbered. Jeffrey Springs activated off the IL Sunday, drew a start against Kansas City. He went four and a third and allowed eight hits with only two strikeouts, but scattered the hits and held the Royals to two runs, just one of which was earned. Springs didn't pitch particularly well, but Velo looked fine, and I think he'll be good once he gets the rust off. To make room, Luis Patino's option to AAA. He's still got talent, but I am all the way out on him, at least for now. The Phils called up Bailey Falter for his sixth start in the year, and much like the other five, this did not go well. Five innings, four runs on five hits, five strikeouts, two walks. He gave up three home runs to the Cubs in a 4-3 loss. Just not a lot to get excited about. Ryan Presley back from the paternity list on Sunday and got right to work closing out the Astros sweep for the Mariners. He went 1-2-3 through the ninth. He got his 20th save, and as long as he's healthy and not on the paternity list, he's going to keep piling up saves. Tyler Molly back from the IL got a quality start and a win on Sunday. Six innings pitch, three runs and two hits, three walks, five strikeouts. Gave up a couple home runs. That is more walks than you'd like to see as well, but both those home runs were to Paul Goldschmidt. You're in Great American Ballpark. You have to face Goldie. That might happen. Good showing all in all for Molly, who's been bad this year and has a history of struggling at that park. Might also be a good audition for him. And if he can get a trade to a better park, that would certainly be helpful. Jesse Winker left Sunday's game with a right ankle sprain. He was injured in a collision at first base with Jeremy Pena, who inexplicably ran into Winker's path. Winker stayed in the game, but had to come out not long after. Hopefully that means he's only out briefly. The Mariners are going to need to make some decisions, though. They've been slow playing the Julio Rodriguez wrist injury. They've got a series starting today, and with two injured outfielders who you can't play but aren't sure need the IL, you got to figure something out. You can't have those two dead roster spots, so they either need to figure out that one of these guys can play or get some help. They do, by the way, have a former elite prospect in their AAA outfield and hitting well. Bobby Witt Jr. left after one plate appearance Sunday. He singled and stole his 20th base, but is now day-to-day with hamstring tightness. Mike Matheny said tests came back pretty good. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It sounds like it's just soreness, so no IL stints is expected, but we'll see what happens. Watch lineups today as a day off is possible, maybe even likely. Max Kepler got hit in the foot by a pitch, and x-rays were inconclusive, which seems not ideal. They're going to get some imaging done, but I expect he's out at least a couple of days. Kepler was a guy I really liked for the second half of the year and some really good signs in his game. My pitcherless colleague, Ben Palmer, who you can find on Twitter, at Ben J. Palmer, had tweeted just a couple days ago that Kepler had a 279 XBA and a 445 XSLG so far this year. This setback makes him hard to pick up today, but if he's back soon, he is worth a look. Taylor Ward was pulled with leg cramps, but is not expected to miss time. He hasn't been as great as he looked early on, but Sunday was 3 for 4 with two runs in RBI and his 13th home run. A few upcoming activations we can look forward to. Brian Reynolds should be back today for the Pirates. Confirm that once lineups are announced and then celebrate. Miguel Sano expected back with Minnesota on Tuesday. Sano struggled in his 65 plate appearances earlier in the year, but his rehab assignment has gone well. He's got four home runs and 41 plate appearances. He has shown in the past he can be a successful power bat. He had 30 home runs last year. There's still time for him to give you 10 or so with decent RBI totals this year as well. 
George Kirby still on track to start Tuesday for the Mariners, and Andrew Haney should be back Wednesday for the Dodgers. He's been really good when healthy, and I would go get him if you can. Lastly, as you're setting weekly lineups on Monday, you may need to bench Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. They will not be able to enter Canada with their teammates. Austin Romine also unable to travel due to vaccine status, but can't imagine many of you are planning on playing him. It's just two game sets. They don't miss much time, but that still leaves them with a three game week. On-field action on Sunday, Nelson Velasquez just demanding my attention. I keep ignoring him, but he is up to a 131 WRC plus after a two for three effort with a home run and a walk, two runs and an RBI on Sunday. He had some excellent double A numbers last year and this year. And while his 138 plate appearances in triple A were not great, he has come out firing for his first 75 major league plate appearances. Yes, it's only 75 major league plate appearances, but after today across three levels this year, he has 19 home runs and 14 stolen bases. The K rate is too high. That does give me some pause, but I'm getting a little bit of an Adelise Garcia vibe, maybe a poor man's Adelise Garcia, but still, that's more than I would have expected. J.J. Blade got his first start Sunday and went two for four with a double, a run, and a stolen base. I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm a little worried about a weak hit tool getting exploited, but he is an interesting guy to go after and has some real pedigree. Been a rough year for Joey Votto, but hit his second home run in three days on Sunday. We know he is more than capable of making adjustments and turning his season around. Not crazy to think he figured something out over the break. I'm not rushing to add him, but if I was desperate for help at first base, yeah, why not? Jose Miranda, three for four with two runs, two RBIs. Hard to believe he was nearly off the Twins roster earlier in the year. With Miguel Sano due back, someone will have to sit an occasion, but Miranda's making it hard to take him out of the lineup. Chris Bryant had a big day going three for five, two runs, two RBIs, a walk, and his fifth home run. He suddenly has an 846 OPS. Hope he didn't bail on him earlier in the year like I did. Leody Tavares, three for five with a run and an RBI, as well as his sixth stolen base. Probably too late to buy into this breakout. If you can, you should. He wasn't even the most impressive Ranger on Sunday as Adelis Garcia was four for four with three runs, three RBIs, a walk, a stolen base, and a home run. Kebert Ruiz hasn't had the season some of us hope, but was three for three with a walk, a run, and an RBI on Sunday, plus his 18th double. I am buying low on him, especially in keeper leagues. Other home runs around baseball. Must have been backup catcher day in Philly as Jan Gomes hit two and Garrett Stubbs hit one. Jackie Bradley Jr. hit his third. That was his second this weekend, but I'm not getting fooled. O'Neill Cruz hit his fifth. It came off Sandy Alcantara too, which is something. Brian De La Cruz hit number seven. If you're wondering, yes, Aaron Judge hit another home run. That's his 37th. Jan Diaz got his fourth. Leary Garcia, his third. AJ Pollock, number five. And Eloy Jimenez, his fourth. All of those last three guys hit them off Shane Bieber. More on him soon. Fran Mil Reyes hit his ninth in a two for five effort. Stephen Kwan hit his second. He's back on a bit of a hot streak. Hunter Renfro has 16. Tyrone Taylor up to 10. Corey Seager up to 23. The A's got a heap of home runs on Sunday. Stephen Piscotti, Sean Murphy, Chad Pinder, and Tony Kemp all went deep. Jose Altuve and Jeremy Pena went back to back for the Astros to open the game on Sunday. Abraham Toro hit his eighth. Darren Ruff hit his 11th, and he's been hitting better lately. And Pete Alonso hit number 25. Not as many stolen bases, of course. Franchi Cordero stole his fourth. Kevin Biggio, his second, and George Springer, his 10th. Brian Hayes got number 11. Isaiah Kaina Falefa got his 14th. Dalton Varsho got his sixth, and Joey Bart got his second. On to the mound, Drew Smiley held the Phillies in check, giving up two runs, just one of them earned over six innings. He allowed four hits, struck out four without a walk. Velocity was a tick up. His spin was up quite a bit. Smiley has talent, so it's worth watching to see if those improvements stick. 
Brian Bayo made his third start and is still not figured out major league hitters. It was the Jays and he held them under 20, so maybe that's something. Ian Anderson has shown some progress the last couple times out, but Sunday was a mess. Three innings, seven runs, eight hits, more walks than strikeouts. I've been holding out hope, but I am done. I suspect I'll be back in on the Anderson train next year, but this is not working. Reed Detmers, though, continues to look like he turned a corner. He held Atlanta scoreless for five innings, giving up just three hits and two walks while striking out six. His slider velocity is still way up, and while it only had one whiff on Sunday, his four-seamer did the work he needed. He got six of his 11 whiffs on that pitch. I'm all in on Detmers. Sandy Alcantara, a little wild issuing three walks, but struck out 10, gave up just two hits and two runs over six innings pitched. Not as deep as he usually gets into the game, but those walks helped drive up the pitch count. He was at 105 after six. Mitch Keller had a quality start, but giving up three runs over six innings to the Marlins doesn't look that good. Just five hits and no walks, though. Seven strikeouts. He seems to have finally found some sustainable success. Dean Kramer had been solid lately, but the Yankees got to him for four earned runs over five and a third. I'm not really sold on him anyway, but I wouldn't let this sway me much. If you liked him before, I wouldn't let a bad start against the Yankees change that. Nestor Cortez threw six shutout with seven strikeouts, zero walks, six hits. Excellent work against a better-than-you-think O's lineup. Sonny Gray went six innings, allowing a run on two hits with seven Ks and a walk. It was just the Tigers, but that is still a very nice start, bouncing back. His last three before the break, he gave up 14 runs over 13 and a third innings. So this was a big improvement regardless of the opponent. Chris Bubich put up his third straight good start, but it was a little bit ugly. He gave up just two earned runs on four hits over seven versus the Rays but at a 5.12 FIP thanks to four strikeouts and three walks. He had just seven whiffs and a 22% CSW. He actually looked better in his last starts than he did in this one, so while I'm not jumping on him right away, I am going to keep watching to see what things look like going forward. Shane Bieber, already mentioned those three home runs, did not have it Sunday. Let the Sox put up six runs on eight hits and a walk while striking out just four. He did somehow last six innings. I think he's still fine, but this is what happens to non-aces, and he's sort of a non-ace now. Dylan Cease, on the other hand, that man is an ace. Six shutout, four strikeouts, just one walk for him. He allowed seven hits, but that walk improvement is noticeable now to see if he can keep it up. I haven't really trusted Paul Blackburn or Martin Perez, and the magic wore off for one of them on Sunday. Blackburn gave up 10 runs on 10 hits over four and a third innings. It was against Texas. As much as I didn't trust him, I was starting him in this one, and boy, did that not work out. Perez held the A's to a run on four hits with six strikeouts and three walks over seven. Robbie Ray got lit up by Houston. Not a ton to say about that. It happens, but he just didn't have it. Framber Valdez cruised through six opposite him, but got into some trouble in the seventh and ended up allowing three runs. He had eight strikeouts and just one walk, though, so pretty nice little start for him. Clayton Kershaw and Alex Cobb, both pretty unimpressive, but neither had a very friendly matchup, so I'm not reading too much into it. Carlos Carrasco shut out the Padres over five, but just one strikeout and two walks. His velocity was way down, seven-tenths on the fastball, but two miles per hour down on the slider, 1.2 on the sinker. That's pretty concerning I think I'm still a fan but I'll be watching closely as next time out Joe Musgrove with a tough assignment and it showed the Mets scored four runs and five and a third off him he is still an ace in my book despite that rough start in the bullpens starting with some Davids and some Clarks the Davids David Robinson locked down his 14th save though it was far from clean he's even a hit and a walk while striking out one while David Bednar took the loss for the Pirates giving up a couple of runs, including the extra inning base runner. 
He gave up two hits, struck out two in the 10th, but wasn't good enough. As for the Clarks, Clark Schmidt got his first save working in long relief. He went the last three innings of a comfortable win, allowing two hits and two walks while striking out three. And then Taylor Clark picked up his second save for the Royals. Scott Barlow went two innings Saturday, so this is probably just a case of Clark being the best option available. Hunter Strickland got a save for the Reds with Alexis Diaz taking the eighth. They both threw perfect innings without a strikeout. Josh Hader got his 28th save, but gave up another run on two hits with two strikeouts. Not the disasters we were seeing before the break. Still not great. I'm going to consider this progress, though. Kyle Finnegan got the save for the Nats, going one and two-thirds scoreless, but that is still not a pen I want a lot to do with. And Craig Kimbrell got his 17th save, giving up a hit in an otherwise clean inning with a strikeout. Let's now take a look at the weather with our friend Mark Paquette. When we look at today, there's a couple of AL playoff contenders that are going to be playing in some games with some weather issues. These games are going to be in Boston, where they host the Guardians, and in Baltimore, where they host the Rays. So these games, a strong cold front is going to be moving through the area, trying to sweep out some of this oppressive heat. But in the meantime, they're going to spark up some showers and thunderstorms. So we're going to have to keep an eye on this these pair of games and make sure they're able to play them. Anyways, I will talk to you tomorrow, and you have a good one. Thanks, Mark. You're looking for streamers on Sunday. There aren't a ton of options, but JT Brubaker and Adrian Sampson face off with each other in their respective not-very-scary offenses. Jacob Junis versus Arizona. Arizona's been hitting more lately, but I still like him in that matchup. Paulo Espino may be in some real trouble against the Dodgers. Don't stream him. Start your Dodgers. And I would also start my Mariners on Sunday. I think they're going to take out some frustration in Glenn Otto and the Rangers. As for what I will be focused on, Trevor Rogers and Nick Lodolo are two of my favorites. They both have ERAs over five. I really want to see if either one of them can find their way, and they are facing off head-to-head. Don't forget to read the SP Roundup Batters Box and Reliever Ranks over on Pitcher List. They're going to give you all the information you need on what happened yesterday, what's coming up in the future. Great content there. Goes into a little bit more depth than I can go into here. With that, I'll turn you over to the rest of the First Pitch team for the rest of the week, and I'll be back with you on Friday. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.